Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Adam Aniva of the Burgundy and Gold Report. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, man. A little too late tonight, but I'm here, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> well, we do it all hours of the night here. Will, and, and I am super psyched today, Adam, because we have an extra special guest joining us, and we yes, get to go mano a mano with him tonight. It's NFL draft prospect Jeremy Bell from the University of Charleston, West Virginia. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Hey, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Oh, we are so excited uh, to have you on the show tonight. I just can't even, I'm, I'm, I'm just beside myself because I got some serious, hard-hitting questions for you. So you know what? Without wasting any more time, let's just get rolling. All right, Jeremy, I, I don't want to steal your thunder and, and take away all the great things you have to say, so I'm not going to do a lot of introing here, but there are some really interesting, hard-hitting questions that Adam and I like to get out of the way right up front, and they're really important to us. And number one is what foods we eat while watching football. That's really important to us, as we talked about pre-show. You already know this, so tell us, what's your favorite football-watching food? My favorite football-watching food, it would have to be wings. For sure. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, he, 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 he still gets the check mark for that. Nachos at top of it, man. Wings, <laughs> wings, are, wings are one A and one B for me. I'm with oh, you, yeah. Jeremy. I, I'm totally Definitely. on board with that. Now, and I got to ask you this question then, Jeremy. Are we talking about mild or are we talking about hot? So, actually, I'm more into the Thai chili wings. I like oh, those. Oh, man. Yeah. Curveball. Oh, he just scored, man. All right. Hot lemon pepper. <laughs> you just got the top, man. That that's the best Woo! wings you can get, man. Oh my gosh, this yeah, is. Uh, I feel not. I, I feel like he's out of our league now, Adam. I think he just kind of yeah, surpassed us. And we're we're like nachos guys. I mean, he's getting like Thai chili wings. This is like I'm like in another stratosphere here right now. All right, we're you gonna move away from that question. Us, I know. <laughs> I'm starting to feel inadequate. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about something else really important outside of football. That's movies and TV. What's your favorite movie and TV show, Jeremy? You know, that's tough because I'm honestly I'm not a big movie guy, but right. when I do watch an occasional movie, I like more into the actions and comedies. So that's yeah. probably where I'll go with a movie. As far as TV shows, you know, I, I scroll to a lot of different shows on Netflix. Um, I recently started watching this one called Nailed It, and it's basically like yeah. a Oh, yeah. Oh, so you know about it. Of course. Of course, yeah, so I cook that, just like them. That's a good, good one I've been enjoying. <laughs> because if anybody knows the premise of the show it's people who suck at cooking making the worst possible desserts you've ever seen i could win that show jeremy i could do it i bet you i could do it jeremy, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna get this up on twitter at some point um oh man that's a winner that's a winner i didn't expect to see that coming all right so we got the hard-hitting questions out of the way i'm sure all the nfl scouts are excited to hear about all this you know a1 right here all right let's get into some of the other stuff this kind of nonsense stuff football Listen, Jeremy, I understand that you played cornerback, receiver, and quarterback at North Cobb High School. So tell us, what did you like best about playing each of those positions? Um, you know, I think they all had the perks. When I played receiver, you know, it's 
always fun, you know, just have the ball in your hands to get an opportunity to make some plays and score touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was always just an exciting feeling. And then playing quarterback was cool because you're kind of in command of the offense. And uh, I got to just learn more about just the game because that was the one time I did, you know, play quarterback. So just getting a more um, – more understanding of, you know, O-line and the blocking schemes and things like that. So that was fun and just being able to contribute constantly every play to help my team win regardless of what was called. And then when I ended up playing corner, I really enjoyed that because I feel like that's one of the few positions on the field that you can really get a true one-on-one matchup where you're not depending upon, you know, anything else is just you versus him and who, who can win that rep. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Well, I mean, that's uh, I mean, all those things, just amazing, amazing parts of playing each of those positions. Hey, listen, I also know that you uh, you broke your wrist in high school, which led to you playing cornerback, which, you know, good for all of us because you really, really knocked it out of the park when you moved to cornerback. But tell us about how that happened and your transi- transition to corner. I believe it was the, the third game of the season. Um, I was playing receiver, and I remember I called a pass in the game, called a screen pass, and I was running, got tackled. And I could just feel like my whole hand just swell up. And I knew something was off, but, you know, my adrenaline was still flowing. So I played the rest of the game. And I remember my dad taking me to the doctor. I uh, think we went to the doctor the following morning. And they were like, you you, you uh, uh, fracture your scaphoid bone in your wrist. You're going to have to have surgery. And we're like, well, I can't do surgery now. It's my senior season. And so I ended up putting in a cast. And basically it was really just kind of learning that position throughout the season and I remember just spending extra time with my coaches and time with my dad we would like to stay after practice and go to the fields on Saturday and Sunday and just rep technique technique to make mm-hmm. sure I could contribute to the team and help us win each week yeah let, you know, let me ask you this question how good does it feel to get up there and get in the way of some big pass just kind of knock that thing out of the out of the out of the block there I mean that must feel amazing when you get up there and get in position oh it's an amazing just, feeling Oh yeah, I can only it's imagine. I, so what's better, that or or catching that touchdown pass? I mean, just be honest. What do you think? I mean, I think, I think, I think catching touchdowns is just a it's a different feeling when you score and then you get to hear you know the screens and the band play like touchdowns. Everybody wants to score a touchdown. <laughs> so right, right. I'll say touchdowns are probably the best feeling you could possibly have, but. Getting a pick six is, I think, an even better. Oh pick. yeah, that's got to be big because that wasn't even meant for you, right? I mean, that's got to be something else right there. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, Adam, you want to take it on from there? Uh, yeah, um, Jeremy. I know you know we've talked um, prior to the show, and I know you know you didn't get any um, uh, early time at Lenore Ryan before you ended up um, you know leaving there. Um, but what would you say um, when you transferred to the University of Charleston from Lenore Ryan? Um, tell us about your decision and you know how all that came to be. So you know um, I was out of school and I knew I wanted to get back into school, and I had reached out to several schools and I just sent them my I made a workout tape and went to the field and put out some of my best drills and made a workout tape and I let them know my my current situation with uh, my GPA and uh, my last school that I was at and you know when Charleston reached out to me you know they bought me out there on a visit and they were one of the schools that felt like they had a player that they could you know bring into the system that would buy into the program and they thought that they could help me, you know, develop that next step as becoming not just an athlete but as a man. And, you know, they one of the big things that was important to me then was 
they really valued education. And it wasn't just about making you a good football player, but making you a good football player and making you a great student and making sure that you were going to leave Charleston with a degree and be able to, you know, pursue life if it doesn't continue with sports. And so those are some of the things that hit home with me and was like, I felt like this was the best place for me to, you know, finish my collegiate career at. Uh, no doubt that, you know, that sounds like you usually when you hear the journeys, it's like, you know, with respect to a lot of guys, they're looking at, you know, best opportunity for starting this now. So it really sounds like you were looking for, you know, life after football. Well, let me ask you, you know, you had a really great junior year at Charleston. Uh, you were in 11 games for the old Golden Eagles, 36 tackles, 25 solo, one tackle for a loss, um, two interceptions, uh, 12 pass breakups. You also had two interceptions against Division One Valparaiso to help secure them the MEC's first ever football win over Division One. What happened your junior year that led to that breakout season? You know, I remember that spring semester before um, I sat down with my coach, who was, who was also the head coach, but he was my position coach as well, and the defensive coordinator. I sat him down and, you know, I jotted down things that I felt like were my strengths and weaknesses from that spring semester. And I bought them to him, and I asked him to, you know, give me my strengths and weaknesses. What things do I do well? What things do you want to see me work on? And he gave me my list, and I took that list, and I all I did was focus my whole offseason on turning those weaknesses into strengths. And I had even just worked on just a whole body transformation. I think I was around 10, 10.5% body fat, and I dropped down to, I think, 7.5 before I came wow. back that season. And I was really, you know, just bought into really committed myself to wanting to have have a legitimately good season and having that and having great coaching staff and the players and the team. We just all had – it was a really great season for all of us, but it helped me uh, up my level of play for that year. Yeah, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, we're all getting exposure to, you know, your university, you know, the school of Charleston. And I think I'm hoping this show is going to, you know, give a lot more exposure what would you say is the best memory you had during your time there? Best memory would have probably definitely been the Val, the Valparaiso game because, you know, I had two That's interceptions that game. Mm-hmm. And that game was uh, televised. It was on ESPN. Uh, so mm-hmm. my family was able to watch it. My friends were all able to tune in. So it was a good feeling, especially being from a D2 school and going against a Division One opponent and showing that, you know, I can compete with the, with the D1 kids. It was, yep. it was a really fun experience and a great bus ride home. <laughs> and, and you know what? It, it, it was some great film to watch because I'll be honest, with you, Jeremy. When we talked prior to that, that was the game. I'm not gonna lie. I always look for the marquee games for the small schoolers. You know, we did uh, Kyle Duggar last year. He had multiple, and, and that was definitely the standout. But let's get to the draft because that's what we're here to talk about. Um, how has COVID affected the draft process for you? And who's been your number one supporter through the process? You know, I think COVID has made things difficult for, you know, all players that are that is, um, pursuing the draft because, you know, just opportunities are limited because things things are being canceled. And so you have less and less opportunities to showcase yourself. But, you know, for me, I, I feel like God has done a great job of putting me in positions to being able to have opportunities to things that I can go perform in and bringing me to the right training facility that's allowed to – help keep me and other guys out here safe, be able to achieve everything I wanted to achieve so far up to this point. Um, so that's been a blessing. And when I look at people that have, you know, been my biggest supporters, I think it's just my my family as a whole. I can't really, you know, say one more than the other. They've all equally supported me and helped me push push myself and help, uh, you know, just help me keep going and put me in the best position possible.
You know, exactly. You know, I can definitely respect that. It's, um, it's, it's the grind. It's everything that you put into it. You know, especially when it comes to the small school level, you know, for every Darius Leonard and Kyle Duggar, there's, you know, a list of HBCU players in small schools. Knowing the uphill battle can be for a small school prospect to get drafted, what do you believe truly separates you from the other corners in this draft? You know, I think it's, it's two things. I think one of the things that, you know, teams, when they, you know, look into my backstory, they'll see a kid that shows perseverance. Because, you know, I spent the two years out of school, and, you know, a lot of people, once they get out of school, you know, that's just kind of the end of the road for them. But I was determined that that wasn't going to be how my journey ended, and I stayed focused and did all the things that I needed to do to get another opportunity. And when I did, I took advantage of it. And that's the type of player that you're going to want on your team. But in addition to that, I think when you look at my film, you'll see my footwork. You look at the drills. And so you see, you know, Mm -hmm. as a corner, you need great feet. And you match that with the IQ that I'm able to display and the versatility and the positions that I can play. And I think you get a lot of versatility and a lot of bang for your buck when you when you take a player like me. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and I can attest that I'll, I'll agree. We'll have a draft journey special coming up with uh, Jeremy. But um, I look forward to seeing, you know, a lot more which you're going to be able to, you know, put out there. And I think, you know, any NFL team will definitely be lucky to have you. Um, but, Icon, what do you think about this? Well, this is, uh, I mean, this is something that is just, you know, it's a, it's amazing. There's a lot of stuff going on here, and I am really excited about this. And, and you know, the, the funny thing is that, uh, you know, you see all this stuff on tape, and you're like, this is amazing. This guy's amazing, you know, and that sometimes you just don't get that exposure. And I want to ask you about two of those opportunities to get some tape out there, which we've seen, which is amazing. But before I get there, Jeremy, I have to say this. You had mentioned that your breakout season was based on you kind of getting in shape, getting your body fat down. I guarantee you, if I got my body fat down and got in shape, I would not be able to perform like you did. <laughs> I guarantee you that. <laughs> I guarantee you I would not have 12 pass breakups. I would not have two interceptions. I would not have 36 tackles uh, unless I was playing Madden, in which case I probably could. I probably could. But I'm, I'm not going to do that on the field. So give yourself a little credit there, Jeremy. I think, like, you really, uh, really excelled there. Um, it's, it's certainly just not getting in shape. But, hey, Thank i got to ask you about this. It's uh, the Tropical Bowl and the College Gridiron Showcase. Invited to, attended both. That's great. Tape looks amazing. Tell us, what did you learn most from participating in both of those events? You know, those were just great opportunities. You know, um, like I said, with with things being, you know, some of the other all-star games being canceled or being done virtually, I should say, you know, to have an opportunity to be live and in person in front of scouts, was just an amazing opportunity and a, a humbling experience to be able to see all the different NFL teams out there. And I think, you know, one of the things that I really learned um, at the CGS was just, you know, they talked about, you know, how to manage manage being an NFL player, especially from the financial perspective and things that you can do to set yourself up early in your career for the long haul because, as we know, NFL only lasts for so long, but you want to make sure mm-hmm. that money lasts, you know, to be a, a, for the next generation of your, your family and things like that. So that's one of the big things I took away from the CGS. And then right. the Tropical Bowl, you know, I think they just really talked about, you know, just developing, showing versatility. They, they really honed in on, you know, you have an opportunity to play football for a few days. You know, show, show them your passion, show them your heart. And, you know, let them let them see because you have the dinners out there that you're able to, you know, meet with the scouts while eating and fellowshipping. 
which puts things in more of like a laid-back environment versus, you know, mm-hmm. just a bunch of individual meetings where you get to kind of sit down and enjoy some food and fellowship. But hey, I right. like how they, they approach that and just allow me to just be able to relax and, you know, just enjoy, enjoy, you know, the conversation, not have to have it all just centered around football, but just, you know, enjoy interactions with other people and get to know, get to know what, how they feel about you. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Great learning experience, great opportunity, and great tape. So uh, all, like, got the trifecta right there. Let me ask you real quick, are there any players in the NFL that you try to emulate when you're on the field? I like two players particularly I like to watch a lot of film on. Um, one of them being Stephon Gilmore and yeah. the other one being Xavier Howard. I nice. like them both yeah. uh, because I think Stephon Gilmore shows a lot of patience just in his gameplay, whether it's in press coverage, off-man, zone coverage. You can see his patience, and you can really see his IQ, the way he reacts to plays. And Xavier Howard, you know, he, he attacks the ball. He's a ball hawk. I mean, I think, I think he led the league in interceptions this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he finds a way to be around the ball, and he's never out of position regardless of where he's at on the field. And that's one thing that I like about his game, that I try to find my way around the football well, certainly you're doing a great job of that, and I hear patience talked about in all the scouts out there about your gameplay as well. So you're clearly building the same IQ that you admire those guys, including Gilmore. Hey, let me ask you real quick, which NFL team do you think would most benefit from drafting you and why? You know, that's, that's a tough answer. You know, <laughs> you know any team that all them, right? to play for would be a blessing. You know, yep. I think I can contribute anywhere because, you know, I provide the versatility in the secondary, and in today's game, you want players that you can move around because you can keep them on the field longer, regardless of down and distance in the scheme. And I think I also show value in special teams, which is something that you'll see on my film and at the Tropical Bowl. So I think a team that gets me gets a player that they can now put anywhere on the field and know that you're going to have somebody that's going to help contribute. And, right, I, yeah. and I'll add scheme. I'll add scheme versatile to that because I know that. You don't want to eliminate certain teams, but I will say Jeremy is scheme versatile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. And one last question for you, Jeremy. One thing that you would want to tell an NFL team before the draft, what would it be? You know, you when you're looking for players that you're trying to put on that 53-man roster, you're trying to get the most versatile players that you can possibly get. And I'm a player that can play multiple positions and – special teams and defense. And so you're getting a player that you can put on the field all four quarters and multiple phases of the game. And that's, that's what you want to spend your money on when you're, when you're looking for a longevity. <laughs> no doubt about that. No doubt about that. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeremy. It has been awesome. And you want to give our listeners uh, your social media so they can follow you. Yeah. My, uh, my Twitter is desired underscore gift. And my Instagram is hisglory underscore my story. Yeah, feel free to follow me and reach out. Yeah, well, we're keeping a close eye on you during the draft. We know for sure that any team that ends up with you on their roster is going to be really happy. Good luck to you, and keep up the awesome work, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. It was awesome having you on. You guys be blessed. All right, thanks so much. All right, so that was Jeremy Bell of the University of Charleston. Wow, uh, what a great prospect he is. And obviously, you're going to check out the Burgundy and GoldReport.com because Adam's going to write that up, aren't you, Adam? 
Oh, uh, yeah, so that'll be coming our, our draft journey. Um, he'll be our uh, third or fourth by the time we get a small school prospect out of the other prospects we've evaluated. But as you can hear on the interview, Jeremy is an extremely high IQ corner. Um, the small school level is always looked at for maybe they couldn't get the grades going to the school. That's not the case with Jeremy. Jeremy's a high right. school football player. This yes, is what sir. he does. So, honestly, you know, getting drafted is uphill battle, but – Man, I'm going to continue to put uh, Jerry Mabel. Jerry Mabel is, uh, you know, one of those late-round gems that uh, a team should definitely take a chance on. I sure hope so. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. That's going to be my number one hope for the draft, for sure, right there. Jeremy Bell going to the team. I would love to see him in the Bears, man. <laughs> That's what I want to say. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and ring the bell on that and move on to our next topic. Let's talk about J.J. Watt. I mean, he has a surprise signing with the Cardinals wow. to a two-year, $31 million contract. Watt publicly considering the Packers, Browns, and Steelers, among others, but took us by surprise signing with the Cardinals, garnering $23 million in guarantees. Next-gen stats, what was uh, indicated has been double-teamed at the highest rate in the NFL last year, 30%. Uh, if the Cardinals re-sign Hassan Riddick, they would have the trio of Watt, Riddick, and Chandler Jones, which would be one of the scariest pass rushers in the NFL. So let me ask you, Adam, what are your thoughts on this signing? You know, when I heard them dis- uh, discuss his market value when I looked on Spot Track, I, when I saw the numbers, I was honestly surprised. I think they had him in the top 15 ranks as far as potential market value. And I think his right. injury history surprised me. There'd be I, I knew he'd have suitors, but to have this many and to get what he right. did, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm shocked because I honestly would not count on him to play more than 10 games a year. So that's a mm-hmm. lot of money for that investment. But I guess if you're a team that you already have some pieces and you feel that he could be that guy, hey, go for it. I- I'm glad Washington didn't make that investment, not that they needed to. But, right. uh, yeah, I think that he's going to be um, probably, you know, more high risk and, uh, you know, low reward in the end. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what they're going to do with Reddick. With Reddick, I mean, it's possible they just won't re-sign him um, after signing Watt. Right. I, mean, I hope they do. I hope they keep him because I think I would love to see that pass rush. I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. And I agree with you. I think there is some danger in terms of the injury history there. But hey, you know what? He got himself twenty-three million in guarantees. I think he's also a great locker room guy. So I'm sure that brings a lot of to your franchise as well. So we'll see what happens there. All right, let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one and move on to our last topic of the day. And that's Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. Newton had an underwhelming first season with the suddenly uber-vulnerable Patriots, but Bill Belichick continues to rave about him, and Cam has indicated that he'd be open to signing a one-year contract with the Pats. Wilson, on the other hand, has hit a rough patch with head coach Pete Carroll and is getting a lot of attention around the league. The Seahawks may just let him go for the right price, which rumors to be somewhere in the neighborhood of three first round picks oh my goodness that is rich wilson's agent told espn that he has not requested a trade but if wilson were dealt he would waive his no trade clause for the cowboys saints raiders or bears um uh yeah so he hasn't actually requested a trade but he said that i think he's kind of requesting a trade and tell me what are your thoughts regarding the potential future for cam newton and for russell wilson uh, for Russell Wilson, I get it. I don't think this is a Watson situation. I think that's volatile. That's already gone nuclear. Um, but as far as um, Russell Wilson, I don't think he's going anywhere. This could probably trickle down maybe after the 2021 season. Um, as far <clears throat> as Cam Newton, I don't see him going back to New England. You know, I'm not um, advocating for Washington to sign him. I think 
he's an option. He looks like a logical option. He was on uh, a show lately talking about Terry McLaurin and about, you know, potentially playing for Ron Rivera, and he had a big mm. smile on his face. So I think you'd have to put Washington in, you know, the top three teams in discussion for him because, again, he's, a, you know, a low-priced veteran that um, knows the system in Washington, and, you know, they can do a lot of things with him. So I think that probably makes the most sense. Um, but, again, I can see him, you know, maybe a couple teams around the league that have a young quarterback and want to bring him in. But I think to, I think his time is, uh, you know, a long-term starter are definitely done. Mm, okay. So you're thinking that perhaps he's going to be a bridge quarterback for next year or something to that effect? Or you think that we're yeah. talking about backup? You, you, you just took the words out of my mouth. I've called it okay. for Washington the year of the bridge. And I think that he <laughs> probably makes sense for the most logical bridge quarterback in Washington because that would be three consecutive Carolina quarterbacks. They started with Kyle Allen for a fifth-round pick. They signed Taylor Heinke, and um, Cam Newman would make three. So I think it makes sense. Yeah, no no doubt. I think that would be really interesting to see what they do, what he does there. I mean, there's certainly a lot of weapons there and a legit defense there as well. I mean, that certainly would help him be successful. I mean, part of the problem he had in New England was, of course, and he actually pointed this out, lack of reps preseason because of COVID, uh, all sorts of injuries that popped up probably because of lack of reps uh, because of the preseason and, you know, just not having weapons. I mean, the Patriots just don't have a lot of weapons around him. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what he can do, even as a bridge quarterback, if you were in a slot in some place that he could be successful. Let me flip to Wilson for a second here, because he mentioned, like I said, he would waive his no trade clause for the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, or Bears. It's interesting to me because I don't think the Cowboys are looking to move on from Dak Prescott. The Saints, big question mark. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Raiders, they've been fielding phone calls for uh, Derek Carr, but telling everybody, no, 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 we're not going to trade him. And the Bears, well, we all know the Bears. They got no one. So what are your (laughs) thoughts here? I mean, if he were to go, I mean, it's clear he's Mm -hmm. thought about this, right? So if he were to go to one of those four teams, which team there do you think would be the best fit for Russell Wilson? I like the idea of Vegas. I think it's probably one of the most unlikely scenarios. But if you're Mm -hmm. talking about, like, I think the three first rounds that that they'd have to come down way off of that. I think you could see a scenario where Wilson for Carr and then Vegas would have to pony up, you know, more assets or, you know, some early round picks. But this is not a Watson situation. I love Wilson. I think he's an awesome quarterback. But they're right. not going to get three first round from him. That's more like no. a, this is what it would take, you know, fantasy scenario. But, you know, we're not going to yeah. do it. So, like I said, in the most unlikely scenario, but the best fit, I like Las Vegas because that's a lot of speed on the field. Um, what yeah. uh, Mayock is building there, I, honestly, it's a lot of questionable moves on the defense side of the ball. But on offense, with Edwards a receiver, uh, Ruggs is a speed guy, yeah. uh, Waller's yeah. a tight end. Man, they got weapons for days over there, man. Yeah, if they could just figure out how to make use of Ruggs as an actual player. And, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know what the hell they were doing with him at the end of the last – I mean, I don't know if they were trying to right. – just having him run, run laps or something. I don't know what he was doing out there because they certainly weren't targeting him. It didn't make any sense no. to me. But I can imagine how amazing – I would be excited to see what Russell Wilson could do with that. It just would be uh, be something out, uh, something out of this world. Plus, of course, you got Darren Waller there, and oh, my gosh – uh, the amount of offense they could generate with Wilson in the backfield. And me personally, obviously would love to see him with the bears, but then I would feel bad for him because he'd be throwing to no one, <laughs> you know? So right. there, there's <laughs> right. that. It would be a lot of scrambling uh, and that, that probably won't fit his play style. And I kind of wonder how he came down to those four teams. I mean, it's really interesting that he actually said that he would waive his no trade clause for those four teams specifically, but Hey, who knows? It's uh, it's all kind of drama and we're all got our eye on it. So we'll see what happens. And that brings us to the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show here. 
Woo, that was a great one. Loved it. It was terrific talking to Jeremy Bell there. I'm so excited about seeing him up into the draft, after the draft, on an NFL team, uh, playing out his career. I mean, I think the kid really deserves it, deserves a, a shot in the big time for sure. He's going to make anybody happy when he gets there. Um, so anything you want to promo uh, before oh. we get to the end of the game? Uh, end of the game as, of as always, I do. Of, of course I do, as always. Yeah. Um, of course, everybody listening, follow me at the BNG Report. On there, you will find my brand new website, theburgundyandgoldreport.com. As I say, every week in other shows we get together, the prospect card section is where you need to go. Um, Jeremy Bell will be one of our next small school prospect evaluation. Uh, we're up to about 12 cards now from ranging from first round picks to all the way to day three. So again, go to theburgundyandgoldreport.com for all our evaluations, Washington football news, and all podcasts. Yeah, and it is great stuff. You guys, should, everyone should check it out. It's not just for those fans of Washington. Those uh, those cards will get you a lot of information if you're looking out for who your team should be selecting in the draft or going after in the draft. So definitely check that out. And next week, we have another extra special guest, don't we, Adam? I think we have an extra special oh, guest next week. Oh, yes, we do. We we have a very good friend of mine, Rick Doc Walker, former Washington football Super Bowl champion and host of the former host of the 980 ESPN show. I'm ecstatic to have him back on. Uh, we've got a real treat for the listeners next week. Yeah, I am beside myself with excitement, and I rarely use this word, uh, Adam, but I am giddy. I am giddy about this next podcast. This is going to be so much fun. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. All right, everybody, you can follow me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time. And as usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time. Enjoy your NFL week. LDC. <laughs>